why people are afraid of actually using VR. It's a little bit like magic, but this is how I would imagine a really proper user interface in the metaverse. About these electronic mind-controlled cat ears. And then there now is Chrome OS Flex. And Chrome OS Flex is something you can install on any device. It's more a hypothesis that Meta is trying to lure people from TikTok back then to the other platform. There has been researchers found out in a very simple way it's possible to find new chemical weapons in like a very short amount of time. Hi and welcome to episode 21 of Tech Review. Every two weeks we gather to discuss the hottest topics from science, technology and innovation. And with me on camera 5 we have for the first time Alex. But uh, Alex is actually a very quite, um, let's say, famous and uh, successful podcast moderator with thousands of listeners, so she knows what she's doing. And on camera four, we have, again, Vincent. On camera three, we have Chris. On camera two, we have Henrike. And this is me. Hi, Tarek. So, and of course, um, if, um, if you like what you see here on our podcast slash live stream, um, you can, of course, follow us directly on our websites, ideasengineering.io and freetech.academy, or, of course, on our many social media channels. Uh, you can find the links in the description below or in the show notes on Spotify, if you listen to us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, nothing nothing wrong is, is going on. Everything works perfect, as always. Yeah, okay, so let's jump uh, right into the news. And today, the gener random generator tells me that Chris is going to start. Yeah, uh, this one actually is... Um... They just raised an interesting question, I thought, and uh, I just wanted to share that why people are afraid of actually using VR. And um, this guy is actually raising a kind of a theory. He says, yeah, um, probably um, the real reason why people are afraid of getting into VR or why the numbers are not rising um, as quickly as, as it was, it had been expected, is um, that during the last years, we have been all used to um, to quick switches into our um, into our sensing, right? So we switch from social media um, to YouTube to whatever to 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 Twitter to Facebook, back and forth and forth and back again. And this guy has the idea that we are not used to actually concentrate. Um, and being focused on specific topics any longer. And he also cites um, a guy in his um, in the article, um, a, a researcher actually who uh, wrote a book about attention. And um, that was the name, Cal Newport is the guy. And um, I cite that from, from there, and he writes that there is an increasing evidence that switching to the superficial so um, is, is not a choice that can be easily reversed, right? So if they spend enough time in feverish superficiality, what I just tried to explain, like switching from one to the other, they permanently reduce the ability to concentrate at work. And this is um, what, so to say, is, is to be claimed here in this article, that people um, don't go into VR, because they can't 
superficially switch from one to the other in VR. If you're in VR, you're being focused, right, on, on your VR scene. And um, since we had like a testing phase during uh, last year, and we saw that too, right? So there were most of the people liked when they went in, in VR, they said, wow, that's quite cool. You, you really can work here focused on what you're currently doing. And, and there were also guys saying, yeah, but you know, when I'm in VR, I cannot like um, surf in the internet. I cannot write emails next to being in VR. And this is exactly the point. So yeah, um, it's, it's a thought one might be or might be worth actually thinking about it is that the reason that people do not want to go into vr because it's just um a single a one type um attraction thing and um yeah i don't know I, I, might be a possibility yeah no i, I maybe you guys can. i totally i totally like this theory and i observed this myself um i you know i am a passionate vr um user But I have exactly this experience when I'm spending a lot of time in VR that I feel like itchy because I can't like reach my phone and I can't see my second screen and my third screen. And I actually started building workarounds and there are plugins which allow me to create secondary and third uh, monitor screens in VR. Uh, for example, if I fly my uh, space simulation uh, game, then I sit in my cockpit and I actually have... Um, additional screens in my cockpit um, showing the chat room and maybe a TikTok screen or something like that. And so I'm in my cockpit and I have like secondary and, uh, and, and a third screen in my cockpit simulating my desk where I have a second and third screen. Um, and it's kind of a possibility. I'm not sure if, I, if this is a bad workaround because maybe we should try to focus more and evolve back into a more focused way of working. But um, it's, it's true. It's true. This, this is a reason where I, in the beginning, was thinking, should I go back to um, 2D gaming simply because my, I have like this great desk and my phone and two screens or three screens. And this might be more convenient than actually being in VR, unless you have like virtual screens in VR. It's, it's true. I can totally But, understand. Um, I, I think, Tarek, what you describe it. So uh, first of all, I think the theory is interesting. I don't know if I completely go along with it because I think type what you're describing right now is exactly what the theory is mentioning but in the end I don't know if it's really fear but because what you're describing right now is just a bad interface so <laughs> because in my opinion most people go into VR don't don't go to VR because it's expensive the experience is mediocre at best uh, yes there are very niche focused products which probably are better than the average but still only worth to a handful of people who really are willing to pay the price for that and so i don't i don't necessarily know if if this really if the if the answer to the question why the numbers aren't rising that much is um really some kind of psychological fear and more because i think The answer also might be VR is just not ready and VR is just not the interface, the technology, everything is not there. I know that this maybe is not the answer to the problem. How can we make it better? That's on another, you know, page of paper. But um, I think that the theory, I think it interprets a bit more into we just have bad technology than there is to it. 
Yeah, this 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 is exactly what the guy in the article says in the beginning, right? So that that's of that of course is the main aspect. But and, and he does not claim that, so to say, the theory is just um, the whole reason for what we are just discussing. But it might be a part aspect of why the numbers are not rising that much as it might have been expected. What I can see totally is that this is one more reason why AR will be much faster rolled out to the public and to everybody and to everyday technology because of course you know not only the demand but also of course the technology has to adapt but uh, i think that this is one of the reasons why ar probably will reach the end customer market and end consumer market much faster than vr did and probably the vr applications are more focused on a very specific um, target group because this quality of being totally immersed in this um, virtual environment means being blocked out from all the everyday um, influences that I have. So I'm, I, I'm not able to see my second screen, but this is by design because I'm supposed to be fully immersed in this virtual reality. And if this is not what I want to have because I want to work on five things at the same time, then VR is probably not the right application for this particular use case that I'm in right now. Yeah, but but super interesting, especially because we are now kind of at the at, at this brink of uh, introducing this new technology in our regular um, everyday life. And uh, we are, at Axis Springer, we are already using like VR technology for virtual meetings during the pandemic, right? Okay, so yeah. but nonetheless, yeah. um, I, 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 nonetheless, I totally agree that that the AR or let's put it to mixed reality actually will be then uh, more successful in in this. Um, in this aspect, right? Since you really are not blocked out, you really have like a connection to the real world, but you have an overlay of virtual objects uh, you can interact with. Um, and nonetheless, you're still in your real life. So that will be probably um, then the real world metaverse thing, which we discussed a little bit before. Right, right. Yeah, and I see my my random generator really work, works random because uh, <laughs> Chris is the next. <laughs> it randomly selected that <laughs> uh, all all of Chris's links uh, come in the beginning. But I mean, to to be honest, this is true randomized. If someone would organize the articles in a random fashion, this person would not put three links from the same person uh, directly at the beginning. This this proves that this is really randomized. Or you yeah, just like Chris a lot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay, so um, yeah, this one I liked actually, not not this one, but if you uh, scroll down a little bit um, further, um, you'll see the combination of um, Meta's Metaverse, like Horizon Worlds in combination with AI. I mean, don't look at the graphics here uh, too much in detail. So this is, um, not not the best graphics you've ever seen but um if i don't know can you play the video so but this, this is what i like that the guys are actually talking about more or less the empty space and then have ideas of how to fill that let's have a little bit of a sky some clouds um, a palm tree whatever and then so to say the eye makes it happen and this is how i imagine um a future interface in the metaverse, right? So exactly like that. And of course, um, a little better resolution maybe, but you see the principle in here. They, they just talk about it. They just, um, so to say, order it by just uh, uh, speaking about it. And then it occurs. 
it's a little bit like yeah like magic but this is as said how i would imagine a really proper user interface in in the metaverse and i think this is the beginning of course but this is the right track really amazing i think i think that's i agree with you 100% it's not only like in the movies or anything but uh, more or less what i believe um at this future can look like because right now i mean we have all these workarounds of scrollable lists objects categorized etc cetera, etc cetera. i mean if you have ever built something in a computer game or anything with the builder tool you know how hard it is to find the right object but you have it in your mind and you could describe it right away but still you have to click through a billion submenus to create something and i mean this is the revolution of this what I can see right of, I mean, I didn't read the article, but uh, from what I can see. And I think that's just amazing. Really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, um, in particular for the, the, for Meta's approach of creating these things, I'm still working um, for the, the everyday applications where we can actually use the, the metaverse, um, not only for these gaming environments um, or this, um, let's let's meet in VR, but actually having this, these special spatial computation uh, approaches of um, utilizing the metaverse in, in uh, real life applications. Um, but yeah, I think um, it's, it's a great step from Mark Zuckerberg to simply open up this, this technology for the broad public and probably even uh, getting like the youngest generation into this and be making everyone being familiar and not be afraid of this new technology so that they then in five or 10 years can really dive into it and make make this technology part of their everyday life. I mean, the cool thing here is, I mean, in the end, what you have is is a voice controlled UI, mm -hmm. right? So it's not more, not less, but um, a voice controlled UI, which understands you, which knows, understands what you want. And this is what makes the difference. It's it just, it does not have just a set of, uh, um, of, of commands which you can like uh, speak and then something happens but you really can think what you will what you just think about or you can say what you just think about and then this happens and this is what makes the difference and of course you can adapt that also to the real world metaverse like with the mixed reality thing um, for a broad variety of use cases and if we have something like that I think we have a big step into whatever might be the metaverse in the future. Oh, I love to see that in the hands of children because children describing whatever they're thinking is going to be amazing. It's going to be mayhem and it's going to be the horror of everything that, that is in our heads. Like, could, can you imagine potato head with claws and, and things like that when children start to describe what they are thinking? That's going to be awesome. As soon as they start describing, it's going to be like like a nightmare on Elm Street. Um, do it your own. Build your own nightmare. Yeah, on but Elm I, I guess this will be a lot of fun because these children, they learn how to use this tool. And I remember when I was a child and for the first time I had something like a like a cassette recorder and I was able to record my voice and have other people record their voice and then like put press stop and play and rewind and uh, fast forward and, and these things. It was so much fun and I, I learned being creative with this and I could imagine that children in the beginning it will be weird because this machine will not understand what they try to, to say but they will learn and they will, will describe this and I remember I saw once uh, like a clip of um, um, 
like a what's it called plushtier factory where they make these teddy bears and they uh, got drawings from children of their favorite animals like really crappy drawings and they created mm -hmm. And then they start exactly, to yeah, exactly. Like amazing. They, they yeah. look like nightmarish <laughs> creatures, but the children were so amazed because they were originally what they were drawing, what they were creating. And so I think this this might be amazing. And we all know how how bad it sometimes works when we try to talk to Alexa, for example. Um, but you learn to speak in a certain way and use certain phrases. And I think when ch children will be very very easy adaptable to to learning how to use these tools. Yeah, but nonetheless, later on, you might need some protection filters. <laughs> sure, as always. <laughs> yeah, but if you just leave them alone with the thing, I mean, protection filters in terms when when uh, adults are in there. But if you have a program where a kid just might um, or, or a platform then where a kid might uh, just rather than drawing, start describing whatever he or she thinks, um, that's actually going to be, I think, a lot of fun and um, I can imagine whole kindergarten groups uh, working in there and starting to subsidize basically drawing by working in the metaverse or, or drawing in the metaverse. Hold your breath on VR protection from Meta. There is something coming up, uh, I hope next, but we'll see. Let's see. What a good... Depends on how much Tarek likes you. <laughs> <laughs> Article so much. comes from me. Uh, what is this? Oh, he yeah, yeah, yeah. more. <laughs> So, um, yeah, this one was uh, my favorite article of the week. Um, it's about these uh, electronic mind-controlled cat ears. Yeah? Um, and this article describes how um, a maker called Jess DeMauro used a Mindwave EEG headset to build mind-controlled robotic cat ears. Um, this Mindwave headset is a product that already exists. You can buy this. Um, and it creates an EEG and provides this data uh, to an interface. Yeah? And usually it is used like for, for meditation exercises or these things, um, but, but you, can, you can use this data for other applications. And um, based on these readings from this mobile EEG, um, an Arduino microcontroller moves these ears, which are attached on top, uh, with little servos. And um, the idea is whenever the wearer loses focus, um, the ears like drops to the side like a sad anime cat. Um, but when the wearer is focused and very concentrated, then the ears stand up again. Um, and I love it, this article, because it describes exactly in details how these ears were designed and how all the parts are working together. Um, and of course, this is not really relevant for our business, um, but I, I love these um, approaches. Oh, <laughs> I love it that imagine you, you, we you, had those. Oh, it is, and yeah. you're losing you the fear. <laughs> you're losing the fear yeah. of building this I, this stuff um, because usually you think ah, oh, you need to be like a like a um, rocket engineer to build uh, the, these kind of toys. But it's you can buy all the components in, in the market somewhere with microcontrollers and even this EEG scanner. Um, and there's there's also like a like a videos. A, the, these videos are not really great because they are not showing everything, uh, but at least uh, like a little bit, like this wiggling of the ears because she's focused right now. She, she's looking at something. Um, then yeah, all these drawings and... Okay, I need that for work. As soon as I enter work, the work building, the office, I want those because it's better than any lamp that we had on yes. top of our screens to to basically show that we're busy or not those are way more boring. but like also if you 
talking to a colleague and you're not focused like you're too totally bored by what the other person tells you <laughs> he or she will Is it? at least realize like okay i'm talking to a wall now she's not listening at all <laughs> yeah, non-verbal be... communication best idea ever right right that should be a mandatory mandatory gadget for all kinds of meetings right <laughs> so you always can see if somebody's with you or not are you or listening like everybody's asking how are you here yeah, like when you give talks and the whole audience is just like, <laughs> no one is listening. You're like, okay, I, I should uh, change my talk. I lost them. Work on my presentation skills or whatever. Right, right. Yeah, but, I mean, we are laughing, but... For the Ideation yeah. Council works for the Ideation Council as well. <laughs> I mean, but, but totally serious. Um, this is crazy. We are, we are um, always searching for ways of replacing an, a lost arm with a prosthetic or a lost leg or something like that. So replacing organs or um, body parts that, that we need, that we lost. But what about new body parts that we never had, but that we can create and um, attach to our bodies and control by our mind? I mean, this is sci-fi and cyberpunk things. But why not? <laughs> there aren't there like applications where factory workers get like a third arm to hold stuff while they are using their hands on, on other things. I think those things already exist, right? You can maximize the output. Yeah, or like these these exoskeletons that um, that uh, support your body while you are uh, carrying heavy stuff. So we already kind of developed these things, but this is just for fun. And I mean, if if you can buy this. Um, it might actually be something where where people enjoy having like an additional part of uh, like ears for showing stuff. Yeah, like these these shirts that are displaying messages of your mood, right? I'm happy right now, so my t-shirt displays, ah, I'm happy. Or I'm disgusted, so it says, go away. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't buy the ears actually, but I would buy the exoskeleton. <laughs> I would buy them all. JP my Morgan my, my money to JP Morgan too. Yeah, maybe it's the first uh, business case. Yeah. First you control the exoskeleton then the exoskeleton controls you. It's the plot of uh, I mean, Spider-Man 2, right? Brave new world. Uh, Vincent, you want to say something? No, it was a dirty joke about body parts about that work on blood pressure and how we can, you know, replace them and uh, connect them to an EEG. Well played. Exoskeletons, right? <laughs> and with this, uh, we come to uh, Vincent first thing. Ah, yes. See? Parental control. Really close. Now it makes sense. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it is actually an article about Meta or Instagram, specifically adding a new parental control center to the app. And, um, well, it works on Instagram, but it also works for other Meta products such as VR. And that is really interesting due to the uh, talk we had before. Uh, first, of all, first of all, to the Instagram part of this, um, it is actually something that Instagram has uh, for quite some time now. They used to have it. They removed it from the app. They re-added it in December. Now they have uh, the center where you can see what your kid is doing, how long it's been on Instagram. You can set the hours. You can also see who's following your child and the other way around. Uh, if you kid reported something, you will see that all of this stuff. It's really, really interesting. And I think this is really, really important for children, uh, for parents actually to control what their kid is doing on Instagram. Um, and there will be more features added in the future. But this is also uh, now, and that is like the bigger update of it, 
actually, slash with the redesign of this whole concept, but the features were there before, uh, is that is also now available for Quest. For, so for uh, Meta's uh, VR solution. And this is really fundamental stuff. You can connect the account of your uh, child to your account. Uh, more than one parent can now review what they're doing, this kind of stuff. But looking at what Meta, where Meta is heading, this is really, really important and really interesting because um, we usually, when you look back, we usually did it the other way around. We had the platforms and you know, we had bad experiences probably with children uh, abusing these platforms or other people abusing these platforms with children. And now uh, we're doing it the other way around. We first have the parental control while we're, we're or not first, but we're having the parental control while we're designing this. And I like that approach very, very much. So I'm not saying every feature is great. I'm not saying there's not a lot of work to be done, but uh, all in all, I think it's very, very interesting. And um, again, uh, very, very necessary, especially for something like VR. Oh yeah, one of the biggest features actually available right now for VR is that right now what you can do is you can connect your headset to your computer and uh, you can see what's going on on your computer. And parents now can turn this off so children can really you know, experience what they have on the Quest, uh, what's controlled by the parents, but they cannot do whatever they want on the web slash with the site loading. Very interesting. Yeah, totally makes sense. And um, it it probably removes this fear of this technology where they say, okay, my, my child is not allowed to go on the internet or like on Instagram or VR because we do not know what crazy things they are doing there. And um, this way, um, it's, it's like a controlled entry. And this way, it's very, very smart from Meta um, to introduce this, um, to open up for a very broad, way broader um, audience and not only like 18 plus. And especially because we are focusing so much on games, uh, the target group, um, which is not of a legal age yet, um, is probably very, very important. I think. Did they mention in the article what other features they want to release soon? Like you just mentioned, they there will be more features coming. Yeah, so they're connecting uh, parental accounts to the children accounts. They're uh, looking more into um, how, what friends you have on Quest um, and also what you're actually looking at, because that is also another very interesting feature. Um, I don't I, I actually don't have the technological background to explain this, but um, I mean, we still know that even with this parental control, one of your followers could be, I don't know, predator or somebody just you know, as a bad example. Um, for Quest, this will look differently because um, with an AI, it is potentially, um, I don't know if this article particularly says it, but with an, AI, with an AI that learns what your kid is seeing, it potentially can also block content from it. And that is a feature that, well, on the one hand, is very interesting. And on the other hand, uh, of course, very dangerous uh, since it's, uh, well, reality altering in some kind of way. Um, yeah. Oh, Vincent. So yes. <laughs> the random Which generator one? actually oh, yeah. knows that consistency. <laughs> <laughs> so this, I'm going to make it quick since we don't have that much time, that much time. So, uh, Chrome OS, you all know it for Chromebooks and, uh, Chrome, one of the biggest problems with Chrome OS actually is that their gaming, you know, it's very limited. On the other hand, do you really want to game on a Chromebook? I don't know. Usually right now, Chromebooks are for the educational market which means that the quality actually is, you know, mediocre to low. The products there aren't that great. There are expensive Chromebooks, let's say from, I don't know, a few major brands, 
but still, um, yeah, um, kind of a question. And then there now is Chrome OS Flex. And Chrome OS Flex is something you can install on any device. You actually can also install it on a portable SSD um, mass storage. And that is very interesting because you can install it on any device. So now there is, and that is why I brought it here today, there is Steam as, a, as the major gaming platform for a lot of games. Um, and they launched their alpha for Chrome OS. And interesting about this is that they also are, have been launched for Chrome OS Flex. And this brings me to the question. I don't know, nobody talks about this, but my question is, did this, didn't this just break uh, the business of devices? Because let's be honest, you have Chrome OS Flex, and this is just in the better phase. That means that developers are still working on it, and in the future you will have it, it will be even faster, it will be even slimmer, it will be even more stable. And then you have platforms like uh, like Steam coming on there. I mean, it's a Google device, so I'm sure we'll be seeing some optimization looking on Google's uh, cloud gaming service, Stadia, and I'm sure there will be more coming down the road. And this leads me to the question, I mean, yes, cloud gaming, cloud working, et cetera, all of these is potentially the same, but still they needed an operating system which is kind of connected to what kind of resources your computer has. Looking at Apple, let's put it to the side, but looking at Windows 11, also a big trouble with, you know, what components your computer actually has, a lot of disappointment there. But in my, but in my opinion, this just broke the business of creating new devices because now you have Chrome OS Flex, which you can put on anywhere. It is maybe not the, the software you like the most. I personally would probably not prefer using it um, since it's from Google, but that's another talk. Um, but still you have it. And now with this major platform coming on for a lot of people gaming, um, which is, I mean, a major group of the computer market, um, or of the digital market, why buy a new device? Why buy with 5G coming up? Why buy anything? You have your old computer. You can use a computer with a dual core, dual core um, processor or more. So, you know, everything is ready. So, why buy anything ever again? And I think that is very, very interesting, and that's why I brought it here today. Yeah. What do you think? I think um, the. This, this trend um, already exists like for a while, at least in theory, where you have um, like high power GPUs in the cloud and you have a very slim device at home. Uh, and for example, as well for uh, VR applications, um, I, I always thought about this because these high end VR devices that are not like the, the Quest, for example, um, they require a very strong PC, like a gaming PC with a very, very um, strong GPU. And this is very expensive to buy and it would be maybe cheaper um, to like rent these cloud services and have the data directly streamed maybe to your slim um, Quest device and everything is pre-rendered in the cloud. And because we have 5G or very, very high uh, internet speeds, um, this is possible. And so it actually might be that the next generation um, of devices uh, might support this kind of uh, of, of um, streaming, um, even though I guess that if you are a lover of high-end uh, devices, you might want to have your own stuff at home, and then it might be cheaper over time if you use it every day um, instead of like renting cloud services um, for for generating um, your content or like um, the the renderings. Yeah. So, 
probably both will be an alternative. Okay. If I they, think yeah. one other very yes. big aspect is that um, security is always connected to what kind of software you have, but with Chrome OS Flex, uh, or software is comparable to this, not existed, but not existent, but probably will be. Um, you have something that is very slim uh, for free and security is built in there. And so this is also an aspect why you shouldn't, why you don't need to buy anything anymore. Um, well, looking at, you have a very good internet connection. So yeah, it was just shocked me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I'm curious to see how if if this is a project that will become like a major part of um, of Google's landscape, product landscape, or if this is just an experiment and maybe it will disappear because people simply love the devices. Okay, next one is me. So I brought some more news from the world of robotics and AI, and uh, even though it is uh, not directly like a terminator themed ai robot um but the the story is um about ooh, misclicked the story is about um uh, about these these four-legged robots um and usually these robots are programmed to move very carefully through terrain because um they are always uh, they are also ex expecting the worst scenario of things that are happening so they do like these very small steps and it's very complicated to make them run very fast because it's it's very um, dangerous because they can step or uh, like the, the ground can change. Um, and if we want to move these robots more agile and faster, they have to be able to learn how to do that, right? Like machine learning. Um, and so we are using neural networks and machine learning um, to, to let them adapt to different terrains. Um, but this takes a very long time and this is very dangerous because having a robot learning to walk like a toddler means it can crash and it runs into a wall and break things and this is, might become very, very, um, very dangerous and um, uh, expensive. Um, and now researchers at MIT used a shortcut and they have basic data about how the robot should move on gravel and ice and other surfaces and so they can train these robots um, based on this knowledge offline, yeah, like like a computer program, and this may take something like three hours to give them a hundred days of walking experience. And so when they start learning by doing and learning by self-experimentation, they are all already like adult robots that are able to have like basic walking, and then they are mature enough to start learning by trial and error. And this is then. Uh, way better and um, the the running style that they develop um, by learning themselves is not really elegant and you see this here on the on the screen um, but it is actually the, their most efficient way as they learned it or they taught them uh, themselves to run as fast as possible and this reminds me uh, at, um, to the ma matrix right you know uh, like neo ask uh, uh, is going to learn kung fu and so they just upload the knowledge about kung fu into their brain and with uh, what we see here, it's not the same. We can't just upload knowledge about the, the terrain, um, but we have this data. And so we can like train their brains without them having to move their body. And it's so kind of similar. Yeah. So we, we teach them to walk on ice and then in like three hours, they learn and they have the experience of 100 days walking on, on ice. Yeah? And this would be amazing to be able to do this with human brains. And by, by this, uh, I, I just remember yesterday I tried uh, to to train a deepfake Barack Obama uh, to make our uh, tech review introduction. Uh, the, the well, this is like President this. Barack Obama. Welcome to Tech Review. 
Welcome to the it did not work very well. <laughs> but the beginning well, was it looked kind like of... trial and error, huh? Right, exactly, exactly. So the first words were kind of okay, but then he got a stroke or something. <laughs> so yeah, I hope that the Basically, killer robots the, are the video like... that you have in in, in in the article just with yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, so as long as they are not armed, uh, it, it might be not that bad. Yeah, and um, if, if you're interested, go into the article. There are some more videos about uh, how they, they learn it. Um, but but it's great. It's like a great merge of, um, of robotics and um, our skills of training neural networks with um, synthetic data or uh, data that we actually collected from other robots to prepare new robots to what is uh, going to come. And so we do not have to really train toddler robots who don't know anything. And here is where it is directly connected um, with Terminator robots and future since, um, well, I mean, if, if, if they learn with that pace, with that speed uh, and um, can move like this guy on every kind of terrain. So, well, just put that into a, well, self-controlled, uh, standalone, equipped with lethal weapons Terminator. <laughs> well, then you go for it. <laughs> so we have the connection. Actually, there's, actually, I just read an article. I didn't paste it in here, but um, only, uh, what was it, 40, 40,000 minutes or something, uh, an AI learned to come up with new um, bio I weapons. posted um, it. I have to paste I it. I posted it, but the random oh, generator did? didn't choose oh, me. So we could talk about See, that. But I read the article just okay. without you. I just, you know, like by stumbling yeah. upon stuff. And so what was it? 40,000. 40, yeah. Then, then hold, hold, just six hours. Yeah. then hold that thought. Uh, the random generator says, yeah. uh, first Chris has to uh, present his third, no, fourth uh, link. Okay, we have to address this issue of bias of, of the <laughs> algorithm because at this point it's only men. Oh yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, exactly. This is this is uh, AI bias, uh, absolutely. And maybe maybe yeah. next time we just um, like choose and select the articles with our um, human logic <laughs> might be more fair than what we have now, and we can skip that anyway since um, yeah we just had that. It's the same article actually. Okay. Yeah. Point. Interesting. Yeah, right, right. Same topic. Interesting. Okay. And now tell your um, random yeah. uh, uh, AI thingy here to take uh, Henrique's article now. It's it's Alex, actually, this. <laughs> so, so maybe it's just Henrique. Well, mine is very, very short, very brief. Um, you know, um, TikTok. You maybe stumbled upon TikTok someday, probably by accident or maybe also during work. I don't know. Um, you know that um, Meta has an issue with losing users. Um, this article is all about how Meta is trying to gain, uh, probably is trying to gain new user, new users in TikTok. And um, yeah, well, eventually we'll probably uh, start to advertise that they have a platform over there called Meta, called Facebook, formerly called, you know, also known as Facebook in the past, um, to lure the little kitties and the people that are more focused onto TikTok uh, to come back then to Facebook or to sign up for Facebook uh, Meta than in the future. 
um uh, it's more of a fun article because it's a lot of um it's more a hypothesis that uh, facebook is trying or meta is trying to lure people from tiktok back then to to the other platform but uh, i mean does tiktok have an account on facebook and does instagram do have accounts you know when you start um having accounts all over the place especially for the corporate accounts it feels like you're moving not just in a bubble the bubble is getting even bigger because everyone is having accounts with everyone it's like um uh, it's like this big brother house from the 90s i i think you can relate maybe some of you can relate the ones who smile now yeah well everyone is signing up with everyone is the political correct but it makes sense, sense. Uh, i mean uh, for, for the young generation tiktok is the the big trendsetter and facebook is something for old people um, and so they have to place themselves in, in these um, other realms, right? Totally makes sense. Even though, as you said, nobody actually knows what, what they yeah, are doing there. Why would you even... Yeah, but even if I stumble upon the Facebook account on TikTok and it doesn't, it doesn't post anything yet, it doesn't like anything yet, so there is no interaction. Why would I have an account without any interaction at this point and hope for the best? Maybe they um, were just because scared. as soon as I start advertising, maybe they were just scared that the name got lost. I mean, that is a true thought. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's more hypothesis than than truth. Um, in in this article, but it's fun to start thinking right. about it. So I will I will subscribe to them because now I'm curious. <laughs> Are you on Facebook? Okay. No, I'm on the Facebook account. So you on use TikTok. TikTok. Leaving the floor to Henrique. I can I can jump to Henrique. Next one would actually be uh, again Alex, and then it's Henrique. Okay, let's let's jump to Henrique and then. No, um, the second okay. one is just boring. <laughs> it's about holograms. Okay, then now hold your, like hold on, it's like going to happen. Um, yeah, I found this article really interesting because um, Alex already mentioned it. Um, there has been researchers, um found out that with very, in a very simple way, a very easy way, uh, it's possible to find new chem chemical weapons in like a very short amount of time. And they found 40,000 of it. What they did is they um, usually they search for like helpful drugs and sort out the, the toxic ones. But they just basically flipped the switch and they told the um, AI to look for the toxic ones and um, they found 40,000. So um, some of them actually were really pretty close to the most, um, I think, potent nerve agent, Y, VX, I think it's called, VX, um, the, the, the most potent nerve agent ever developed. So only a very, very small amount of it is already deadly. So some predictions they found are even more toxic than that one. So they said they did not verify that, but and they also don't want to. But even if you think that there's a lot of false positive among the results, among the molecule structures they found, there still means there are more, you know, dangerous ones still um, available or like possible. Um, and they know that they were like on the right track somehow, like. In, quotation marks uh, because some structures that the AI found were actually chemical warfare agents that have been generated by the model, although the model did not know about that or was not trained um, 
on those, but it founded um, themselves. So, um, yeah, the concern they in the end had was how easy it was to do this because the data sets for those toxicity structures and molecules are you can download them for free basically so it's very easy to get it and if you have like a decent you know knowledge about python and uh, machine learning you just need a weekend and you can you know build it yourself and they were struggling whether or not they should publish these findings because um, I mean, it's a thing to tell everyone like how easy it is to, you know, create new chemical weapons. But that's actually the thing, like on one hand, it's a thing to find those new structures, but actually have the knowledge to synthesize this and making real, um, creating real dangerous drugs out of it is another thing. And also they were like, okay, if we now thought about it, like others probably have thought about it as well or will think about it. Let's get ahead of it and publish it and make everyone aware of the potential misuse. Um, because they also mentioned that as a researcher, they working in the chemistry field, they been like educated and there are guidelines about misuse of chemistry, but not on misuse of, um, of AI in that regard. So to make also researchers aware of um, what could happen. So it's like all about the responsible use of AI, the responsible use of data, open data, like for researchers as well. Like, is there like, should there be a limit or should there be kind of restrictions if this can come out of it? And um, also like the aspect of educating others without kind of encouraging or induce something that you actually do not want. And like the thin line between those things, um, which I found really interesting when reading the article, like this is really just a brief summary of what's in there. It's a very interesting uh, interview that uh, they also summarized in that article that I recommend reading. Isn't that the uh, question of should you be able to print your own gun with a 3D printer all over again. Uh, because I think that's exactly the same, I mean, problem with warfare and that you can produce anything actually with a 3D printer or something like that and how AI, AI should recognize this or not and block you from doing this or not. Yeah, um, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I don't think we can stop it. And of course, this this uh, comparison with a 3D printed gun um, is is kind of the same realm. Maybe not as deadly as like uh, like mass producing uh, weapons of mass destruction, um, but we can't stop the science. Yeah, and so of course the the publishers of this paper can like stop publishing it, but someone else will discover it. And um, these development of ethical frameworks for AI development and research. Um, I guess this is the most important thing where um, these institutions and these countries who are participating in AI research have to really think about what they um, what they allow to do this and that we um, that we educate like future researchers and people who are joining this wild west right now um, in what the, the, the boundaries are in what we are doing and we can talk about like weak things like um, data protection and uh, yeah, privacy concerns, but of course, using AI to like find new nerve agents, 
this is a completely different way of cr crazy thinking, right? Who, who thinks of things like that? But yeah, this this must be of course regulated, um, regulated and and taught uh, to everyone who participates in this field. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, but how realistic is that? What, Tarek? I mean, in the end, there is is always what's possible will be done. So, and if you have regulations, okay, let's say ninety percent, ninety nine percent of the people follow that, and there will always be this one percent of the people. Um, actually crossing the border and doing something else. So I think um, if a thought has been thought, then you cannot take it back. And this is exactly the same here. And, and now we are not just talking about just one thought. We are talking about millions of thoughts in a very short amount of time being created by AI. So again, show your Terminator. This is uh, sooner or later. Uh, when... Here we go when AI, uh, so to say, will um, terminate the species sooner or later, maybe not directly, maybe just indirectly, like by being used um, in a, well, improper way like that. But um, yeah, but, but it's... thanks Enrico for the article, by the way, at the end of the session. So it makes me sleep uh, <laughs> probably much You're better. You're welcome. No, 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 no. But, go um... back to the cat ears. Go back yeah. to the cat ears. <laughs> But the question indeed is um, having like developments like these question is, does anybody believe um, in the um, in, in that, that our species will be living like for the next hundred years or is is that endangered? And well, that makes me at least a little bit nervous. Yeah, but uh, I think the question is of legitimizing this kind of research. And if you build like a killer robot and he shoots someone, you could always say, it wasn't me, it was the robot. It's not murder, it's it's an accident. Yeah, But uh, our ethical frameworks and regulations laws need to address that and say, okay, if you build this killer robot, you are responsible for its actions. And so if your yeah, AI but, but... trains uh, on, on creating weapons of mass destruction, then you commit a crime against like global law against uh, uh, weapons of mass destruction. This needs to be uh, clarified that, that there's not legitimizing um, th this kind of, of research and someone needs to be responsible for that. Who is exactly someone, but uh, maybe someone doesn't care. I mean, who is we? Who is uh, our responsibility? What does it mean when you say global law? I mean, we see that nowadays, right? There's always people who don't care. And um, so if, if you, you just it just needs one person who doesn't care. And um, if if they go for it, then, well, all the rest will suffer. So that needs more than just regulations or global regulations. Yeah, but that's the only thing that we have. I mean, we, we can't really. Yeah, but it's not enough. <laughs> yeah, right. What more do you want to do? Anywhere, anywhere it will be built. We say something is unethical in, in Europe. It's going to be happening in China the other way around. You cannot stop this. The only thing you can do is put up regulations and then say something like it is unethical to do so. Otherwise, this is exactly the problem of freedom with technology and a freedom with AI. Still somebody will be able to do it out of their home because they're just a good coder or something like that. Um, Tariq is right. That's the only thing we can do. Yeah, but but you said we can't. What can we do? That was the question. And you actually gave the answer yourself. You said yeah, you can't do anything about it. That's exactly the point. So let me put it like with just 
with just this one phrase, which actually occurs always in situations like these, maybe pandemics or the um, climatic change or everything. The question is not if if these things will happen. The question is only when they will happen. And if we can create a framework to discourage everyone, anyone who participates in this uh, to not do this because we execute them or we put them in jail or whatever we have in our legal rights to do so. And um, you can take the same argument with people shooting other people with a gun on the street. We have laws against this, but nobody can actually um, um, enforce this in every single case. You can still get a gun, you can still shoot someone, even though we have uh, laws against this. And it doesn't make sense to say, okay, since we can't um, avoid this one case, laws are uh, useless. We still need to have these laws. And of course, even if we have uh, laws like from the, the United Nations or something uh, against weapons of mass destruction, even if we can say we can't really enforce this, we need at least um, introduce sanctions and, and global measures that discourage things like that and, uh, and tr try to make it as hard as possible, even though we can't really avoid it completely. I totally agree. I didn't say that we do not need these laws. I just say that in the end, the efficiency will not be 100%. Of course, yeah, yeah, that's true. But that's the same with, with everything. We can't, unless we like destroy all computers, we can't uh, avoid. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Let's pull the plug. <laughs> no, let's not do that. <laughs> Literally, right? We're over time, I think. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very sorry. There are, there are two <laughs> yeah, more okay. links from Vincent. And Vincent, oh, so we, we uh, dissed Vincent twice today. Unless, uh, Vincent, they're still Bye. TikTok expanding the pilot of its stories feature? And uh, Facebook's developing and Facebook's reactions. Developed. Yeah, story, TikTok story is something for another time because it's just a beta mode and Facebook bringing up reactions for reels and the only comment I had there is why, um, <laughs> but yeah, we can also talk about this another time. It's just ridiculous and um, therefore, um, yeah, very fun. Okay, I will move this uh, to, to the next session. Yeah, then uh, thank you so much and uh, sorry for the small hiccups in the very beginning. Um, it's, it's always very undeterministic how this whole setup with all these moving parts is, is behaving. Uh, I, <laughs> but still, thank you so much for all your uh, amazing links and this very, very vivid discussion. I really enjoy this. And I think that this is the val most valuable thing of the tech review that we are really discussing the pros and cons of um, what is happening in the, in the world of technology and research and science and innovation, because uh, th this, is, this is the hard, those are the hard questions. So uh, keep bringing these topics and uh, I wish you all a very nice afternoon or day, <laughs> depending on the time zone where we are all in and see you next time. So bye. bye. See you then and enjoy bye. every moment of your life. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's important. <laughs> Before we pull the plug. <laughs> exactly.
If you are hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, we here at Tech Review want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope this new episode was valuable for you. And if it was, please leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you are listening to us right now. Share this episode with others who could also like it. Do you have a topic that you'd like to see covered in future episodes? Don't hesitate to tell us in the comments or on social media. We hope you'll be back for the next episode.